This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with a message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled, Way of the Righteous, and it comes from Psalms 1. Now, if you'd like to hear one of our previous lessons from 1 Peter or 2 Peter, you can listen to them at our Facebook page. That's www.facebook.com slash radiobibleclass with no spaces. Again, that's www.facebook.com slash radiobibleclass with no spaces. Also, you can tweet us or follow us at Radio Bible Class, or you can tweet or follow me on Twitter at tcarter12 and this radio station at WMER Worldwide. Now, Christian Radio is not free. If you enjoy this radio ministry, your offering to this ministry will aid in the expense of keeping the Radio Bible Class on the air as a witness for Jesus. By making a charitable contribution, you are helping reach people listening in our area and over the Internet. You can make a donation safely and securely by calling us at 601-483-8648. And there they can take your information over the phone. Or send us your gift by mailing it to Word Talking, P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi 39304. Your gift to Word Talk Inc. is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Hebrews 13.16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Today I want to start off with getting into the book of Psalms. We won't go through the whole book, but we will look at at least the first 8 to 10 Psalms. We'll go them one by one. Anyhow, the book of Psalms has really been the prayer book, the devotional, and the hymnal for Christians for the past and even today. The book of Psalms, there's 150 Psalms in it. If you read five a day, you would be through with the book of Psalms in one month. You could read through it roughly 12 times throughout the year. The Hebrew word for the book of Psalms is Tehillim, and that really means a book of songs or a book of praises. And that is, to me, very interesting because that is what God wants us to do. He wants us to praise him. And here we have a book that was written by David and others. David wrote 73 of the 150 Psalms. We see here that uh, it's a book about praises. It's a book about inspiration. They include lamenting. They include messianic. We'll see that next week with uh, Psalms 2. They include wisdom and even repenting. Now, David, like I said, wrote half of these 73 Psalms. While he was out watching the sheep, he would play his harp and he would write these Psalms. Later, we find that David was brought in to play his harp and calm down Saul. These are the Psalms that he sang. Another thing I've heard people say that Psalms is Old Testament. I'm not an Old Testament person. I'm a New Testament person. I'm about grace. I'm about acts. Let me just tell you that the book of Psalms is quoted directly 165 times in the New Testament, and it's indirectly quoted over 400 times. Most of the New Testament is about quoting out of the Old Testament. So those that tell me that they are just a New Testament Christian, I get it. I get the grace and no longer of the law. But don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. The New Testament and the Old Testament are one, and they point both back to Jesus and the Messiah. Even Jesus quoted Psalms back in Matthew 5, 5. We see him quote Psalms 37. So these Psalms are about God and his relationship that he has to us and the creation that he created and how we can see him. And so I think it's important that we dive into a little bit of this. And like I say, we'll do this over the next uh, four to eight weeks. 
We'll see how far we get before we move into something uh, after the summer's over. Today we're going to kick off with Psalms 1, and it is a great psalm. It's one of my favorite psalms. It really talks about David shows the way that the righteous live versus the wicked, and we'll get into that. It's only six verses. It's not that long. But really, at first, I want you to understand that these psalms aren't laid out chronologically. Most commentators tell us back in the day of Hezekiah, there was a scribe or a Levi that took all these psalms together, and they put them together in order under the inspiration of God. And the first one they put is Psalm 1. In this psalm, Psalm 1, David shows us what it's like to have a blessed life. And as I said, it shows two paths, the path of the blessed and of those that live a life of the wicked. So if you will, turn with me to Psalms 1, and we're going to look at verses 1 and 2 to start with, and we'll read all six uh, as we go through the lesson today. I'll be reading out of the ESV. Verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but he delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So David starts out in verse 1 and says, blessed is the man. And what we want to see here, and we'll break this down, that blessed, God wants us to prosper. It means to be happy. It means to prosper. So the whole theme about this particular chapter is the blessed man and the blessed life. Hopefully by the end of this lesson, you're going to see that this blessed life has been abused. It's been taught on incorrectly. And we're going to look at it. We're going to redefine that today. What is a blessed life that God wants us to have? So David starts off and he writes, blessed is the man. He was inspired by God to write that. And I want to look at that word blessed. If you go look that word blessed up in the Hebrew, it really stands for happiness. And that is a great preaching message. It's a great teaching message. Who listening to me doesn't want to be happy? Of course, there's those that always grumble about everything, but for the most part, everybody wants to be happy. And so what David says here is happy and content is the man. If you change blessed to what it really means, he's really saying happy and content is the man. Now that word blessed comes from a root word that really means staying on a path and doing the right thing. And when God wants to bless us, what he's really saying is, yes, I want to bless you. I want you to have happiness. I want you to find peace and comfort. But let me tell you, you do that by following my path. And you do that by doing the right things, the things that I tell you to do. So happy and content is the man is a person and not really a, just a man. That's a overall gender statement, but it's really talking about people there. Is saying happy and content is the person that walks the path that God puts them on and they follow after God's way and they follow after his commandments. And if you want peace and you want happiness and you want contentment, then you do that by following God's commandments and you follow after him. So let's go back and look at verse one again. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So David says, if you want to be a happy and content life, then there's a couple of things you don't do. Happy people don't buy into the world. They don't walk in the counsel of the world or the wicked. They don't hang out with sinners. They hang out with folks like them. And then the third thing is, they are not among critics. They aren't those that are very critical. Those critical people aren't happy. So David says there are three things that we need to do to be a blessed person. And that is we don't walk with the wicked. We don't stand in the way of sinners. 
and we don't sit in the seat of scoffers. So let me break this down for you because really there's three people we need to avoid. The first one is we need to not buy into the world. He says right here, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. So what was happening here just out of your Old Testament history is the nation of Israel was small. As they got into the promised land, there were other people around them. They started marrying these people and they started bringing in their religion. They started bringing in their ways of worship, which was not after worshiping the one true God. Now, because of this religions being worked into Judaism, the way that the Israelites worship started to change. What was being taught, what was being said sounded right, but it was just a little bit off. David right here says, stop buying into the counsel of the wicked. Really what he's saying is stop listening to the world. What we can learn from this is that we cannot buy into the world. There are a lot of people that say that they serve Jesus and Jesus is Lord of their life, but the way they walk their walk, it doesn't back up the talk that they're talking. These folks claim to be Christians, but they don't live a Christian life. And we talked all about that through 1 Peter and 2 Peter. We've talked about that we are supposed to live a different life until Jesus returns. Our life, our witness should be a evangelism to a lost world that people will come up and ask you, how can you live the way that you do and go through the things you go through? There will always be people that will say stuff that sounds right, just like these pagan worships sounded similar to what Judaism was, but because they listened to them and they bought into the world, they were taken into captivity. And if we're not careful, if we listen to the ungodly, if we listen to the world, and we listen to things that sound almost right, one of the biggest tricks that Satan uses is that he takes things that sound almost right and he twists it so that it's not right, but yet we believe that it is right. And I've heard people quote things that aren't in the Bible that are just twisted a little bit, so it sounds like something that would have been in the Bible. So here David says, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Now if you look at that word walk, also let's dive into it. A walk is a way, a lifestyle. When you walk with someone, you're in a relationship with them. You talk with them. You spend time with them. How much time have you spent with Jesus? How much time have you spent in God's Word? Again, don't spend all your time in the counsel of this world, but look back to God's Word. Look back to Jesus. He wants to be your resource at the first sign of a problem, not your last resort. Listen to what Solomon wrote in Proverbs 4, 14 and 15. Do not enter the path of the wicked and not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Now Solomon says the same thing his dad says, and he says to avoid the ways of the wicked and do it at all cost. So David says happy people don't buy into the world. And the second thing is they don't hang out with sinners. What David is saying here is that when you stand in the way of sinners, that means that you've gone and sought them out. You've sought them out where they hang out. You're standing in the path, so when they come by, you're there. So what we can gather from this is he is saying, don't seek out the sin. Don't seek out the pleasure of the world. Don't walk the way the sinner walks. Unfortunately, there are too many Christians that are willing to compromise their walk by going out with friends. And look, we are to be separate from the world. Now, we have to live in this world, but we don't have to be of this world. Jesus even taught this. Look what he says in John 3, John 3, 19. 
And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works be exposed. Jesus, just like David, is saying there are two paths. There's a, the path of the light and there's a path of the darkness. Jesus even goes as far to say that they love the darkness and they want to stay in the darkness. They hate the light because they don't want their works exposed. And what David is saying here is that we do not need to be in the path of sinners. And you say, well, Tim, I need to go witness, and sometimes I have to go where they are. That's different than what David's talking about here. What David's talking about here is that we go to where they are, and we hang out with them, and we compromise, and we justify it saying, well, hey, I'm there, but I'm not partaking of it. I'm just there to witness to them, to be a stand against it. No, your stand should have been, I won't go with you. Your stand should have been, us against what I believe. Your stand should not be, I'm going to go there, but I'm not going to partake of what you're doing. You're compromising when you go and you hang out with sinners. And that's what David says. Now, if I'm speaking to you today, it's really simple. All you got to do is turn from it. You got to ask for forgiveness from it. I promise you, if you are a Christian and you're doing this, if you are living a secret life, you hang out with Christians on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, you live like the world, it's not a happy life. And what we're talking about today is how to have a happy life. And one of the things that David says is that happy people don't hang out with sinners. Blessed people don't hang out with sinners. They stay on the path that God has them and they do the right things. They follow his commandments. The last thing that David says that happy people don't do is they don't hang out among critics. If you look at the last of verse 1, it says, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So what does it mean by seat or sits? Well, this is a Jewish custom thing. The Jews would not invite people to sit down and have a meal with them if they weren't supposed to be with them. To eat with someone in the Jews meant that you belonged to one another, that you were almost like family to them. And they would not invite anybody that wasn't like family that didn't belong there. So what David is saying is don't hang out among critics. Don't belong to them. Don't be a part of them. This is pretty easy, though. Most folks don't like to hang out with critical people. They're not happy people. If you aren't around these unhappy people, guess what? You tend to be happier. Now, most folks don't hang out with critics. They don't like to be around these unhappy people, but they like the gossip that they tell. They want to hear all the juicy details, whether it's true or not. And so sometimes people get sucked into these critics because they want to hear the juicy details, whether it's true or not, about other people. So David says, don't be around critical people and you'll be happy. Now look at verse 2. He tells us two things to do that happy people do do. And the first one is they enjoy being in the word. Look, we'll be at verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Let me read you this verse from the Message Bible. I like the translation, the Message Bible, for this verse. It says, instead, you thrill to God's word. You chew on the scripture day and night. So again, don't get wrapped up on the law, because what they're really saying is that you dive into God's word, and you find happiness in God's word. And we've already said to live that blessed life, that you have to stay on the path that God gives you. How do you know? Proverbs says that he is a light unto our path, and he will make our pathway straight. He says, by doing the right things, you will have happiness. So we do that by being in God's word. and We find thrill in God's word. David even takes it further, and he says that they chew on the scripture day and night. 
So not only do they begrudgingly say, well, I got to read the Bible because that'll make God love me more. I got to read the Bible because that'll make God happy. No, that's not what he's saying here. He's saying that you take pride in it. Have you ever heard the preacher say that the God loves a cheerful giver? Well, God loves a cheerful studier of his word. God loves those that study his word, not out of duty, not out of some religious right, but they do it because they love God and they want to know, know more about him. They do it because they want to follow in his path. They do it because they want to do the right thing. And not only do they read his word and they have joy in reading his word, but then they chew on the scripture day and night. I love that word, chew on the scripture. That means that they ponder it. They noodle on it. They think about it. They're constantly trying to apply it. How does that apply to me? So it's not only do they read it, but then they take it and they act on it. When you chew, you're, as an a action. That means you're doing something with it. You're applying it to your life. Now, the great Charles Spurgeon took this verse and he wrote a devotional called Morning and Evening. There's two times a day you're supposed to read the devotional in the morning and then before the evening, before you go to bed, you read the evening version of it. And it was from this very verse that he came up with this idea that I would give devotions in the morning and the evening so that people could chew on it day and night. So happy people start their day off with getting into God's word. They get their devotion. And you know what? I can tell you from my life, as I've gone through days, when I've put the Bible and I've read it first before I got my day started, when I've spent time with God, as I've gone through that day, it's like God gave me that word that I needed to get through that day. There's been other times when I've not been quite so faithful and I've not read it. And then I'd read it later that evening and I'd read it, man, I really needed this for today. That would have helped me in this previous situation. David says happiness comes when you are thrilled and you get into God's word and you chew on it and you do it day and night. Now next, David gives us an example of what this blessed life looks like. Look at verse 3 with me. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in the season and its leaves does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. So the next thing that David shows us is that living right brings happiness. And then he gives us an example of how living right brings us happiness. He says that we are like a tree that is planted by the water. Because we're by this water, this source, we now produce fruit. And that fruit is happiness and that happiness is out to others. You know, just this week, we had all that rain that came from the hurricane that came through. But before that hurricane came through, I had not watered my lawn. My lawn had started turning brown. Matter of fact, you know, I was wondering that if the grass was going to come back. But after multiple days of rain and rain and more rain, my grass is now green. What looked like it was dead has come back to life. That water was a source of life that was given back to it. Let me ask you this question. When's the last time you saw a dying tree by a river or running water? You rarely see that. I'm not going to say you won't ever see it, but you rarely see it because they're so close to that source of the water that the tree doesn't die. As a matter of fact, that source brings on the fruit and it bears that fruit in season because it's healthy. It's happy. So what David has given us is example that we can be fruitful when we're in the word. When we're in the living water of the word, then we produce fruit. Did you know that God wants you to be fruitful? Do you know that God wants you to be happy? Do you know that God wants you to be blessed? He's saying just 
tie into the source. Get into my word. Chew on it day and night. Study my word. Live by it. Walk by it. Have a relationship with me. Don't listen to the counsel of the world. Don't sit with the scoffers or the critics. Don't hang out with sinners. But get into the word and have a relationship with me. And David says, ultimately, the person that does this prospers. And that's what he says at the end of verse 3. And all that he does, he prospers. Now, look, I'm not going to be a name and a claim. And I'm not going to say everything you do is going to make you rich and you're going to have planes and you're going to have cars because you're going to say, Tim, look, I live by the Bible. I study the Bible every day and I don't prosper. What I can tell you is that when you call on God's promises, when you know God's promises, when you live the life that and you know that you're doing what the Creator created you to do. When you give Him praise, and you give Him praise in the storm, even in the good and in the bad, your life is happy. And happiness isn't just about money. Of course, money makes us happy, but money's not everything. And the, what David says right here is that if we will walk in the way of the Lord, if we will be in His Word, that we will prosper. Now, the last thing that David shows us is that living wickedly will destroy our life. We won't prosper. Look at verses 4, 5, and 6 with me. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff in the wind that drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. What David is really saying here in verse 4, that the wicked are shallow and, and weak people. Because he puts them equivalent to chaff. He says that right there in verse 4. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that in the wind drives away. And again, this goes back to the custom in that day. So what would happen? The wheat would grow. It would come time to harvest. You'd have the stalk, and then you would have the husk that was around that wheat. At harvest time, the, the wheat and the husk would separate. So they would take the wheat and they would beat it so that the husk would come off and then you would just have the wheat. And then back in that day, they would take that wheat and they would take it and they would shake it up and down so that the chaff would separate from the wheat. Now the chaff was very light and it did, and the wheat was heavier. So the wheat would fall back down onto that blanket or that uh, piece of material that they're throwing it up in the air. They would do this at the top of a hill where there was wind and the wind would blow the chaff away, but the wheat would fall back down into the blanket. So what David really is driving at here is that the wicked are shallow. They get blown away by every wind that comes along. They're like that chaff that's really light that gets blown away. They don't have any substance to fall back down into the blanket. I think about sinners and people that don't know the Lord that, that I've talked to and I've watched. You know, they chase after every new thing. They go after every fad. They change the way they look. They change the way they dress. They change the what music they listen to. Whatever the fad is, they chase after the ways of the world. But the first thing that comes, they get blown away. See, they don't have a root system. They're not founded down deep by the water. They don't have a source to that water. And so they get blown away as soon as things change or a storm or a wind comes into their life. So David is really saying that the wicked people are shallow. They get blown by every wind. And when we walk in the ways of the world, when we walk in the ways of the wicked, guess what? We get blown the same way. Look, this path that you're going down following the wicked, look what David says about it in verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will what? It will perish. It will lead to death. 
Now, it may not be a physical death, but it leads to separation in a family. It leads to financial death. It leads to health problems. By following the way of the wicked, we bring ourselves to perish. We destroy. It brings destruction. And that's what David's saying here. Living wickedly destroys our life. But living a happy life, living a blessed life, is not buying into the world. It's not hanging out with sinners. It's not being among critics, but it's being in the Word of God. And it's thinking about it. It's chewing on it day and night. Being like a tree that's planted by the water that bears fruit, that prospers in all that it does. But if you're like that chaff, if you're blown by every wind, if you follow the whims of the world, then you're going to perish. Somebody out there is probably saying, Tim, you don't know my boss. He's as wicked as anybody I know. And he's prospering everything. He gets promotion. He makes all the money. He's wicked though. How can that be? Well, look, sometimes God allows those people to have another opportunity to turn, to bow the knee to him. What I can tell you about, tell you about that person, he's wicked because he's dying on the inside that you don't see it. A lot of times these people love the world so much that they refuse to bend the knee. They refuse to fall and name God Lord of their life. They don't want to give up the lifestyle that they live. It doesn't matter what the destruction is. It doesn't matter what the price. They're not willing to not have their way and be able to do what they want to do. So it may look like they're winning in the short term, but ultimately the wicked will perish. So let me close with this final thought. Let me ask you, do you want to live a happy, blessed life? Do you want to walk in peace and contentment? God couldn't be clear about the benefits of knowing him and loving him and following his word and the corresponding pain and havoc and judgment that accompanies those that don't do that. Do you take five to ten minutes a day and get into God's word to at least read something? Do you look forward to searching after to know the creator better, to know God better? to understand the opportunities that God has for us? Or is God's word to use like some moldy piece of food that you reluctantly eat that you think you have to just because there's nothing else? The attitude that we do that with makes a difference. If we want to know how to live a blessed life, if we want to know how to be happy and content in this world, in the situation that we're in, how to get from the situation we're in to what God really ultimately has for us, then we have to be in God's Word and we have to meditate on God's Word. We have to feed on it. We have to think about it. We have to memorize it. We have to study it. We have to compare it to our life and how do we take it and use it for our life. The example I want to give you is not just good enough to read God's Word. It's like knowing that sunblock will keep you from being sunburned. But if you don't take that sunblock, if you don't take the suntan lotion and apply it to you, if you don't put it on, guess what? It doesn't matter that you know that suntan lotion won't let you get burned, but you will get burned until you apply it. And the same thing happens. It's not just good enough to know God's word, but we also have to apply it to our life. So again, let me ask, do you want to be happy? Do you want to live a peace and contentful life? Do you want to live a blessed life? And do you want to prosper? Then today, Psalms 1 has told us how to do that. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today, Lord. We thank you for this time together. Lord, we thank you that you inspired David to write this letter to us, to write this psalm that he sang. Lord, that we can be blessed and content and we can be happy in you, no matter our circumstance. Lord, 
Teach us, give us the desire to want to get into your word and to know you better, to meditate on it day and night, to chew on it just like it's food. Lord, let us not chase after the world. Let us not chase after those people that give us ideas. Let us not chase after the wicked things of this world. Let us not be like that chaff that's easily blown when the wind comes by. But let us be like the tree that is planted by the water that is deep in that nourishment of your word that's given to us like living water. Let us bear fruit. Let us prosper. Dear Lord, maybe there's one listening today and you're knocking on their heart and you're saying, I want you to have a blessed life. I want you to live a better life, but I need you to get into my word. I need you to follow after my path. I need you to do the right things that my word tells you about. Get into it, know it, and apply it. Or maybe there's one that doesn't know you at all. Maybe today they listen and it wasn't by chance. Lord, I pray for that person today. Lord, I pray that they would understand that you came. You want us to have that blessed life. You want us to have the best life possible. And right now, Lord, they would say, Lord, I want that. I want you to be Lord of my life. Lord, I want you to come into my heart. I'm going to give everything to you. And I'm going to follow after you. I'm going to follow after your word. And I'm going to chase down you following after that path that you've laid before me. I'm turning from the way that I was going and I'm coming after you. Lord, we thank you for all the many blessings you give us. Lord, we thank you that you show favor to us and that we can prosper when we follow after you. Lord, it's in your name we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.